Yay. That's awesome. Pastor Steve, you're amazing. Seriously. I feel like singing a Christmas carol. I don't know why. It's just, it's just in me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. I got a hankering for a candy cane. I don't know why. Sorry. Uh, hey, listen, I want to tell you as well, many of you came last week and I introduced you that Polly and I were going to be leading a team uh, of you and a bunch and another church, Abundant Life, uh, Foursquare over in Bremerton uh, with Pastor Steve Wexler and Lois. We're going to be leading a team of people to Israel end of February, beginning of March. And I uh, put up here, it's amazing, this list of names. I can't even tell you, there's a whole bunch of names. Anyway, people who are interested, so we have more printed, these applications Please fill them out, uh, get them back, and when you do, I'm going to leave a pen up here, cross your name off here so I make sure you got one, and then if you didn't cross your name, then I'll come fish it, find you out. Uh, but uh, listen, the trip of Israel is going to be an amazing time. Uh, this is one of those moments where I've been talking to a friend of mine, telling him that this is the second favorite place on earth to me. I, I study Israel. There's so much God's doing. There's so much God's done. There's so much ahead this kingdom that God has prepared for us, it's going to include the nation of Israel. I'm super excited about what he's doing. So I want you to come and join us and be a part of that. So if at all you're interested, grab one of these applications, fill them out if you can. That would be fantastic. Deal? And then cross your name off so I make sure you got that. That would be great. Awesome. Hey, listen, uh, my daughters, I have two daughters that are amazing gift givers. They're amazing. There's, uh, the only thing I love about their gift giving now, more than I loved when they were younger, is that now they pay for them themselves. It's awesome. They used to buy gifts, and they're just like, Dad, I got, and I realized, like, I bought the gift, and they were, it was funny. But now, they do it all. So they're so thoughtful. Like, they, they don't just think about a gift. They think about, like, the reasons and all the things. Anyway, my one daughter, Mikey, my oldest daughter, bought me this model of this truck. 64 Chevy. I love it. Fleet side. 64, get this. Um, Three on the tree, slant six. The thing was, uh, was a Sherman tank. I mean, it was a monster. This was my first truck. It was my first car. My, my daughter bought it for me, and she's like, hey, Dad, I can't even bring myself to building it because it's, like, I, it's just amazing to me. But uh, it's, it's fun to dream. I sometimes look at this goofy model box in our room, and I'm like, I don't know why, but it's like it just brings back nostalgia to me in those moments, right? I don't know about you, but I, I like to build models. I, I haven't built one for years. But the problem with me in model building is that I just glance at the instructions. <laughs> how many have done that? Let me tell you how not to build a model, by just glancing at the instructions. There's a reason that they're in order. Right? There's a reason that you build the engine first, and then you put the engine in, and then you put the the, the body on the chassis, right? Because you don't want to build the engine later because it's hard to get the little bugger in there, right? There's reasons for instructions. It's funny, oftentimes our, our way of life, we will just run right past the instructions, won't we? We'll just rip right past the instructions and try to come up with our own ways of making our life make sense. I want to talk to you this morning about your purpose. I want to talk to you about your purpose, why God put us here on planet Earth. Now, let me just start by saying uh, that you may not like what I'm about to say. It may not fit the narrative you're used to hearing about your purpose. Somebody say yay and amen. <laughs> but I promise you, it will be what God says about our purpose lined up in the scriptures. So will you join me as we pray? 
God, thank you today for all that you are. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you that you have a divine purpose that you set aside in your creation in us, God. You love us so much. Help us to discover our purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about the benefits of becoming a Christian, the benefits of coming to Christ. And I told you that we were going to take three weeks of talking about the benefits of coming to Christ. I told you that one of the, uh, the, the given, if you will, the greatest benefit of becoming to Christ, of coming to Christ is this glorious understanding that we get to have salvation. We get to be redeemed from hell. We get to have a glorious future. And in that, it's amazing. Salvation is a beautiful benefit. In fact, let me give you a couple of scriptures that talk about the benefit of our salvation in Christ. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Revelation 3.20 says this, Look here, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear me calling, open the door. I'll come in and we'll share a meal as friends. 2 Corinthians 5.20 and 21 says this. Listen to this, I love this. We are Christ's ambassadors. And God is using us to speak to you. We urge you as though Christ himself were pleading with you. Be reconciled to God. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right through, right with God through Christ. That's the glorious, beautiful benefit of coming to Christ at salvation. We are reconciled to God. We are made right with him. Yay. We, we're made right with him. Like, I'm telling you, like, if all you walked away with was that, like, hey, wow, I can be reconciled to God. Like, I'm no longer in the, in the red. I'm in the black. The checkbook's been reconciled. It's right. It's balanced. I get, a, I get this glorious free pass because of what Jesus did for me. Man, if, we, if all you did was walk away with that today, you win. But there's more. There's more than, than salvation, believe it or not. There's more in this benefit. I want to talk to you about this. Last week, we began the process of talking about the the benefits of coming to Christ as relational. In other words, he, he wants a relationship with us. I think we forget that he wants a relationship with us. Oftentimes we think it's just about getting away from going to hell, which is a big deal. <laughs> we forget that there's a relationship that he wants to have with us. I said last week that oftentimes we, we get this notion that once we get saved, then everything's going to be awesome. It'd be no different if me saying that day of your wedding, everything is going to be awesome from now on, right? That's the beginning point of the journey, right? The day you slip the finger, the ring on the finger is the, the day the journey begins. It's not the day that you somehow solve the problem. Now you got the problem. <laughs> sorry, couldn't help it. Just crossed my mind. Sorry, sorry. Now she's got the problem. <laughs> so there you go. A relationship. Listen, if you have your Bibles, open them up to First Peter. First Peter, um, uh, let me tell you, I've, you've heard me say this, and I'll say it a million times. The Bible is living and breathing, right? And I don't care how many times you read the same passage, it can come and share something with you every single time you read it different, differently, or actually expandedly, if you will. First Peter, I've shared with you before, that was written to a persecuted people. It was written to a group of people who were under massive duress. And as Peter was writing this, he was really trying to tell them, hey, guys, but this is some of the most important things you've got to realize. And in, in, in Peter, uh, we talked a little bit about this, but listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. 
He says, come to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he is precious to God who chose him. I love it. The word come here is actually the word pros erchomai, which is a word that's not a one-time event. Sometimes we think coming to Christ is this day that we came forward or we raised our hand or we said the sinner's prayer, if many of you know what that means. Or we, we had that moment where, good, solve the problem. Jesus, you're my savior. I surrendered my life to you. Yay. That's a special moment. Coming to Christ in salvation, it's, it's paramount. But there's more to this than that. He wants us to come to him in relationship. This Greek word pros erchomai literally means this. It means to come, an ongoing coming to Christ. It's an ongoing pursuit of relationship with him. He says, come to Christ who is the living cornerstone, which we talked a little bit about last week, but the idea of coming to Christ who is a living rock, right? coming to him over and over and over. How often do we need to come to Christ? All the time. We need to continue coming to Christ. In fact, the, the, the tense of this word is literally be in the process of always coming to Christ. Always coming to Christ. The, the moment we stop coming to Christ is the moment I feel like our relationship gets a real big kink in the hose. And I think some of you have been living with your, your relationship kinked because you kinked it. You at some point said, hey, look, God, we're good. I got salvation secured, but I'm going to continue living in my sin that hurt a little. Sometimes we're like, hey God, listen, I want to have relational, I want to have enough relationship with you to get to heaven, but as far as a relationship with you here on earth, eh. Let me tell you this, he's so good. Pastor Heather got up here and talked today about trusting Christ with our finances. I love that because it's literally an ongoing process. I always think to myself like, well, if I trusted you once with my finances, isn't that enough? And, and let me tell you this, it's like you saying you loved your wife the day of your wedding and that was it. Trusting God with your finances, how often do you need to tithe? Well, every time you get paid. Why? Because that's, we got to learn to trust all the time. All the time. We got to literally say, Jesus, I need to trust you. How often? Every single time I walk in this world, I need you. It doesn't take long to turn on your phone, your TV, your computer, to realize we need Jesus. And we need to learn to trust Jesus. By the way, you, I want you to know something. Jesus didn't just get the big ball of spinning and then walk away. He's intimately and intricately involved in all that's going on, believe it or not. I love the fact that he said, hey, look, I, I have an answer for this world's big problem. You. Yay. I, I feel like I say that every week. And my intention is to get it so ingrained in our hearts that we realize that we are the reflectors of God's greatness to this darkening planet. We're the answer. Yay. We're the ones who have the hope within us. And too often we're like, yeah, I got hope in me. I'm running to northern Idaho and digging a bunker. That's not what he's saying. He's like, be in the world, not of it. Be the light of the world because you're reflecting Jesus to the planet. It's not a one-time event. Last week I talked to you about one of the benefits of coming to Christ is that you get to find your identity. Your identity gets recovered. I say recovered because it's important you realize that, that it was lost. We didn't know how, I, I, always, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was preaching on Fox Island, and I heard them say, after I was done with the message last week, somebody came up and said, it's like identity theft. I feel like the devil has tried to just, just commit identity theft in the church today. I was like, it's the truth. Because some of you have experienced identity theft, and you know how invasive that is. 
just how vulnerable you feel. Like every bit of you, you're like, I don't know what else they know, and i got to change your, your bank accounts and your, your passwords and all the things, right? That's something, but then there's this, there's this other thing that makes you feel super vulnerable when identity theft happens, that you don't know what it is that they actually know. It's interesting, but that's what the devil's been trying to do with us for so long. If he can take your identity, he can get you to pause and get freaked out and live in fear. But when you know who you are, when you know who you are, when you know whose you are, when you know what your identity comes from, it changes everything. Your gate is strong and sure. You walk with a confidence you never thought you would have. Because you know whose you are. You know who you are. When your identity is sure, there's not a fear. There's a, there's a confidence. There's a stepping strong, even in things that seem scary. And see, that's, I think, in a lot of ways, part of the benefit of coming to Christ over and over again is to remember our, our identity. And when we do, we can walk strong and bold. No wonder he wants to take our identity and skew it. Because then we'll walk soft or not at all. Hmm. This morning, I want to tell you another benefit of coming to Christ, along with our identity being recovered. Another benefit of becoming, coming to Christ is the fact that we get to discover our true purpose. Yay. We get to discover our true purpose. Our true purpose. Do you, do you, it's so funny. Uh, Back in the day, many of you, uh, many of you, maybe even some of you partook of Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life, right? You, the 40 Days of Purpose. Really good resource in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't know if many of you know this. They came out, I think, in, what, 2002. But back in 1995, Rick Warren wrote the same book called The Purpose Driven Church. Did you know that? It was called, in, in 95, came out, didn't sell nearly as much. Didn't sell nearly as much the purpose-driven church, right? It made me stop and think, like, why didn't that one sell when it's literally applying to the same group of people? <laughs> because I think a lot of ways, pastors, we're, 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 they're, they're the two most, you know, the two most insecure occupations on the planet? The two most insecure occupations on the planet, uh, football coaches and pastors. <laughs> no question. Two most insecure, right? And I've done both. And I agree with that assessment, right? So, I mean, because you're like, oh, where'd they go? Did they leave? What did I say? How did I do it? And, and football coaches are like, they see some kid flying his, his kite or his drone out there on the football field, and they're like, the enemy's spying on our plays. I'm like, no, it's just a 14-year-old flying his plane, man. <laughs> Relax. Coaches are getting weird, man. I want to talk to you about your purpose today. Why did God put us here on the planet? What is life all about anyway? Why is it that when The Purpose Driven Life came out, it sold nearly 50 million copies? Why is it that we're still, still so eager to find our purpose? I think God wired us to discover our purpose. God wired us intrinsically to know what a purpose or a meaning of life is all about. The problem is, is that because we don't know what it is all about, we're, gonna, we're, we're waiting. Um, uh, who is it? Pastor Dave or whoever. So one of you are... I stand at the door and knock. I'm, oh, I just read it. Sorry. That, that passage of Scripture in Revelation, to stand at the door and knock. That's a very, um, that's a very, I'm sitting in my living room and somebody's knocking at the door, right? That's a very passive, really, wait, right? You know what the devil does? He doesn't stand at the door and knock. The devil just pushes it in. In fact, he kicks the door down. 
I love God's gentlemanliness. He says, like, hey, look, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you'll open the door, he says, I'll come in and bring dinner. I love what he says here. Listen, you want purpose? Ask. Seek. Knock. You know what the devil does? You want purpose? I'll show you. You want purpose? I'll show you what your purpose is. And then he'll give us all kinds of wacky things. He'll tell us what our purpose is. He'll tell us where our identity is. Because if the devil can screw around with your identity and your purpose, he can screw around with you. And if he can screw around with you, he can screw around with your babies. He can screw around you and your babies. He can screw around your church. If the devil can mess with all that stuff, that's exactly what his intention is. Hmm. Not sure if you realize that. I think the truth of the matter is this. If we want to discover what our true purpose is, it all starts with the starting point. If you want to know what your true purpose in life is, it all comes down to what it is you believe about your starting point in life. What it is that you believe about your starting point. In other words, if your purpose in life, you want to know what it is that, that you are put here on the planet to do, that's not assumed anymore because we live in a Christian uh, country, if you will. Uh, I remember uh, there's this... Uh, to be careful. There's a school not far from here who calls themselves a Christian university. And I used to lead a Bible study on that campus. And I'd always sit down with these group of people and say, hey, what's it like going to a Christian school? It's a very liberal, liberal school. And uh, it, I can tell you that they were like, Lance, hardly Christian here. Trust me. It's interesting how the devil wants to just come in and tell you what his purpose is for you. It all comes down to your starting point. In other words, let me say this. Um, there are people who believe that you were a random accident produced by some sort of random event at one point in the cosmos. There are people who believe that there was a big bang that accidentally produced you. You might even be here. You might even be watching us online believing that you accidentally just happened. Some people actually believe, and you might even be sitting right here and ready to throw a tomato at me. I'm just telling you like this. It, when you have a starting point that says you were accidentally happened, when your starting point is that you accidentally just showed up, when you have a starting point that says like, yo, yeah, you know what, there must not be, or maybe there was this a, a meld of the two when we were kind of and not so much, and maybe God had something to do with it, but maybe we just accidentally things and let me tell you this, it's not that blurry. It was never intended to be that blurry. Let me say with all the boldness I can tell you, when your starting point is a big bang or an evolutionary process, you get a certain result. When your starting point is, I was an accident, you will develop an understanding of your purpose because it's based on where you start. If your purpose is beginning at a big bang, an accident somewhere in the cosmos, then you are as big as you'll ever be. You are the, 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 the biggest, there's nothing bigger than you. Humankind is the top of the food chain. You're it. How's your purpose working for you now? When your life's purpose begins with you, what makes me happy, what gives me passion, what makes my heart sing, 
If that is the starting point that you just accidentally happened, you are as, you are as, as big as the, the answer can possibly get. And you know when you play that all the way out, you're like, okay, so I clearly don't know what the purpose in life is, so, but I want to believe this because that's what apparently scientists have told us. I'm here to tell you this. You don't have to believe me. There's a lot of things I can tell you you don't have to believe me. But I would challenge you to dig a little deeper. Because there are voices that will tell you all the things I'm just telling you. Which are, you happened on accident. Some cosmic accident took place and smashed into another thing. And cre- could you, I can't imagine. You, there are times when, I remember when Polly and I had our, our first baby. I remember looking at him and I was like, his nose was in the right spot. His ears were right where they were supposed to be. His little brown eyes, oh, they were beautiful. And I remember thinking like, there's no way. He's so perfect. He had a huge mole right here. I just had like this, there's anything about him, right? I'm just a big birthmark, but I'm, I'm saying like there's this moment where, where I look at him, our, our kids and I'm like, there's, come on, you've been there, you know, right? And you're just like, God, you're so good. You're so good. You know the Bible says that God's creation declares his glory over and over again. The faithfulness of the sun to rise, except in Washington, every day, like we can say. The faithfulness of the tides to go in and out. All that stuff. We can know God's faithfulness at a massive level, but then on a personal level with what Pastor Heather was even talking about. We can trust him with our stuff. Let me tell you what the world thinks in a lot of ways. When we begin with a starting point that says you accidentally happened, here's some of the things. There's a fellow named Mark Mason who says this. We exist on this earth for some undetermined period of time. During that time, we do two things. Or we do things. Some things that are important and some things that are unimportant. And those unimportant things give our lives meaning and happiness. The unimportant ones basically just kill me. There's like a hopelessness to that. Listen, some of you have heard of this fella who's made lots of money off people trying to find their purpose named Tony Robbins. He writes this. Everything you need to discover your life's purpose is within you. The only thing holding you back is your own limiting beliefs. With each limiting belief, you identify and replace. With an empowering belief, you develop a greater self-awareness. When, you, when you're in control of your emotions, you're in control of your life. Your purpose and your happiness are the same thing. Come on. Listen, I'm just telling you, uh, there's another side of that coin. When you, re- when you begin to think that your purpose is happening on accident, that's the only conclusion you can draw. But here's the good news. When you believe that you were created, your starting point was from Jesus, when you begin to believe that your starting point was deliberate, when you believe that your starting point was intentional, when you believe that your starting point was a plan, when you believe that God stepped in and said, I knew you before you were born. I knew you in your mother's womb. I put the air in your lungs. Come on. When your starting point is Jesus, and by that I mean a biblical worldview, when you begin to look straight through the Bible and what the Bible says, there's so much I want to just veer off and tell you a couple things. How do we know the Bible's true? Let me tell you, there's so much about the Bible that's true, but let's just suffice to say that it is. When you begin to discover who you are and your starting point is Jesus, let me tell you this, you can discover that you were handmade by God. 
You were handmade by God. Psalm 139, 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well you know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. When you discover that your starting point is God, you can discover that you are not an accident or born illegitimate. Isaiah 44.2 says this. By the way, pause. Some of you actually think that you were born illegitimate or an accident. Well, you don't know my parents. Well, it was a, a crazy night. Well, they were back in school. They didn't know any better then. Can I tell you this? God still, listen to me, God still created you. God still intentionally made you. God knew you. And whatever it is that the lie of the world is trying to tell you that that was a, well, you know, it was those, you know, listen, stop it. God will use anything and everything, and he used them to create you. Could you imagine if we really stopped to say to ourselves, like, wait, wait a second. So even though the circumstances weren't great, God showed up, and he knit me together. Let's go on. Listen to this. You can know that you were created on purpose. Isaiah 44, 2. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Israel, listen to this. Israel, don't be terrified. You are my chosen servant. The servant, my very favorite. I love that. When you know your starting point is God, listen to this. You can discover that God created you with a plan and a purpose. Psalm 139, 16. For I saw you before, I, I saw, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. When your starting point is Jesus, you can also discover that you are the focus of his love. Think about that for a second. You, you're the focus of the master creator's love. Can you believe, can you see how the enemy has tried so hard to contort the opposite of that? To say you were an accident that just happened. You just blurted out of nowhere. A couple of big things happened and whoops, there you go. When, when you believe that you were actually handmade by God, you, that God stitched you together. He did all the things. He made a heart, an eyes. He made all the things out of Nothing. He just said, hey, look, I'm going to do this. And from your mommy and your daddy, they even made you look like them or whatever. In all the things that happened, and God said, wouldn't you stop and believe that God would still have a plan for that little person? God wouldn't just start and say, like, I've had this beautiful plan while you're in your mother's room, and then once you're out, I'm done. Come on. When your starting point is Jesus, you can discover you're the focus of his love. Ephesians 1.4, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. When Jesus is your starting point, you can discover that there is an eternity to prepare for. Get me right, listen to this. You, there's an eternity to prepare for. It says in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Right? He's preparing you for that. In the process, I love this. Just for fun, we've got a few minutes left. I'm going to turn over to Jeremiah 18. It's in the Old Testament. The prophet Jeremiah has some pretty amazing things. And this is where I'm going to probably push into a little bit of what you've been taught uh, and, and help you maybe frame it a little differently. So many of us were taught, even when I was in school, and some of you, your kids, you've heard all the things, and maybe forever you're watching us online, and you're like, hey, Lance, I think you're wrong. Let me tell you this. You can think all you want to, but hear me out. When you start with the starting point that you are an accident, you draw the conclusion that you're as big as you get. When you start with the starting point that God created you, he's as big as you get. Yay! He's got a plan and a purpose. He's been here way before you, and he'll be here way long after you. 
Jeremiah, listen to this, chapter 18, says this. So I did as he told me, and I found a potter working at his wheel. But the jar, or the, the vessel he was making, didn't turn out as he had hoped. So the potter squashed the jar into a lump of clay and started again. Then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do this as, I, as the can I not do as this potter has done to this clay? As this clay is in the, the, the potter's hand, so you are in mine. Stop and think about that for a second. It's this beautiful picture of, of uh, Jeremiah looking at the situation of a potter throwing a vessel on a wheel, and it didn't work out because something marred the vessel. Somehow, some way, the vessel was marred. The potter remade the vessel. There's a picture here I want you to see. The potter remade the vessel. The potter started with a vessel. The vessel got marred. The potter recreated the vessel. Same clay, same vessel. The potter created the life. The life got marred by sin. The potter made the new vessel born again. Will we allow our potter to mold us and make us into what he intends us to be. In other words, you know what God's purpose for you is? Your purpose, your purpose, my purpose is his purpose. When you start with the starting point that he's the creator, he is who we live for. And that, my brothers and sisters, is not a popular sentiment in the world today. Because you, you, you do you. When we live our life saying, God, I yield to you, you tell me what my purpose is. You know what your purpose is? Your purpose is to give God glory in everything you do. Breathing, blinking, singing, dancing, yelling, screaming, fighting, working, driving, whatever it is, all to the glory of God. Jeremiah portrays this God, this divine potter, as a master craftsman who's making, this skilled craftsman is making a vessel for his will, for his own liking, for his own purpose. Somehow, somewhere, we got this notion that if we just get, and trust me, if you do a deep dive and Google yourself into your purpose, you're going to find a lot of people like Tony Robbins who will tell you, it's in you. Just dig deeper in you. Let me tell you, you know what's deeper in me is more sin and more crazy. And I need Jesus to make me holy and righteous and eradicate that from my life. Because there's nothing in me that's good except Jesus. How do I know that? Well, because I... Breathe and blink. Come on. So do you. Billy Graham, 1956, 66 years ago, says this about finding life's purpose. There are thousands of people who admit that they are unhappy. Economic security, recreation, pleasure, and a good community in which to live have not brought them the peace and happiness that they expected. The reason is, that they, the reason is that we were created in the image of God and that we find no complete rest, happiness, joy, or peace until we come back to God. Listen, the pages of history are fraught. They're fraught with people who said, I think I'll take it and do it my way. I'll just look inside myself and see what will make me happy. I'll just, I'll just put the clothes on the bed until my heart sings. I'll just do all the things to try to make me feel good about me. Listen, when you're living life for God's purpose, trust me, you've never experienced joy like that. You've never experienced peace like that. 
It's so contrary, right? You're like, wait a second, Lance. So I have desires in my heart to want to fulfill. You're telling me, Lance, to lay them down and serve God with all that I am, and there I'm going to find true purpose? Yep. More than you'll ever know. Let me just tell you a couple things real quickly. Sorry about that. I'm going too long. Remember Cain in the Bible? First son of Adam and Eve? He took, he took things in his own hands and decided to do things his way. After he killed his brother, ended up into, vanished into a, a forest of condemnation. The wicked Pharaoh, remember him, Egypt, that whole deal when Moses was leading the children of Israel out? They all said that we're going to live in our own desires. The, 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 I'm, the, I'm sorry, the wicked people of the time of Noah said we're going to live in our own desires and not follow you, Noah, because you're crazy building a boat. The relentless flood of God's judgment covered them. Pharaoh and his plan, I'll do it my way, and his mighty army was drowned in the Red Sea. Samson, who once knew the presence of God's spirit, his own way, lived for pleasure and relentless pursuit of happy, ended up chained between two, two columns, blind with his eyes gouged out. King Saul decided to make an offering in his own terms, his own way, because jealousy consumed him was killed by falling on his own sword. King David, a man after God's own heart, allowed his own fleshly desires to get in the way and caused massive pain in his bloodline. What if God is your master craftsman? What if God was the beginning point? What if God is the potter of your life? Let me take three quick things. God's the potter of your life then you are made by him and for him. If God is the master potter of your life, then sin has irreparably, mar irreparably marred your life. If God is your master potter, then he will make you new again, if you'll allow him. As if we begin to understand that our purpose lies in him, then any trial you go through, maybe some of you are going through some of the deepest, darkest valleys you've ever been through right now. When you begin to say, like, God, listen, you've got a plan. You know what you're doing. I can't figure this out on my own. Then you can rest in knowing he does. But when your starting point is a big accident, you're as big as it gets. And your solution only comes down to how happy you'll be. And that's how you shipwreck your marriage. That's how you run your finances into a ditch. That's how you find yourself saying, I'm going to hurt people in order for me to be happy. But when God is your starting point and you're living for him, I'm convinced, church, I'm convinced that the, the, the lie of the enemy, he's been stealing from us so long. And one of the greatest things he's stolen from us is our, to understand our true purpose. Represented in the fact that 50 million copies of that book were sold just in hopes that we would discover a purpose and I'm not so sure Pastor Rick Warren and I agree with our life's purpose. I'm telling you today that your life's purpose is God's purpose. And when you yield your life to him and say, God, I'll do what you want. My life is set apart for you. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. For the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Straight out of your Bible. Can you imagine if you actually believe this stuff and your starting point was not an accident? Now, I'm gonna pray for you. Now, I'm gonna challenge you. If you had any bit of you that's like, hey, Lance, ah, 
My starting point has been an accident. My starting point was that I was this or that. My starting point, listen, if it was, and you need to confess that to Jesus, can we just do that today? Say, Jesus, I want that. I want my starting point to be you. Maybe that's been the thing that's standing in the way of the freedom God has for you. Can we pray? Father, right now I pray. First and foremost, for those who are watching us online or maybe even some who are here today, their starting point has been a big fat accident, some sort of a cosmic whoopsie that showed up and made us who we are. And if that's here today and you're, you're part of that understanding, I want you to just say, Jesus, reveal to me once again your truth. I confess that lie. It's not the truth. You didn't accidentally make us. God, you created me in your image. You made me like you. With the ability to choose love, to choose you. Forgive me, Jesus. Go ahead, just say it with him. Just forgive me. Maybe it's been a fleeting thought and you've kind of swallowed some of that. Just confess it. You gotta get it out of you. And right now, begin to declare, God, you are my starting point. Don't fully understand it, but you're my starting point. You intentionally made me, not illegitimate or on accident, but by purpose. And you have a purpose for me. Lord, help me to discover your purpose by pursuing you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in this box is this set of instructions that tell me the first thing to do. I can open it up and follow them and do what the instructions tell me to do and create something that will sit on my shelf and it will be what it is, but the process of knowing the instructions, the process of walking through the purpose is exactly what God wants to do in you today. He wants to tell you, hey, listen, I have a plan and a purpose, and it wasn't an accident. You were exactly who God created you to be. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? As we kind of just challenge you today, I know at some point you're going to go home and, and or maybe go out in the lobby. Sometimes when I'm on Fox Island, Fox Island, if you've never been out there, the, the church is about this many people, right? It's just one, one row. And sometimes after church, I'll, I'll ask them, hey, what'd you get out of today? And then they'll just, they'll shout it out because it's a small room and it's a small group of people. It dawns on me, sometimes I wish we could do that here, but it would just be so hard because we all wouldn't hear, wouldn't show up on the video, all that stuff. Can I just challenge you to tell somebody today, somebody who was here with you or maybe somebody at home, what you got out of today? Just say, hey, listen, this is what I'm taking away from today. I'm not so sure I believe it. I'm not so sure I get it all, but this is what I took away from today. And I'm willing to step towards God being my starting point. Amen? God bless you today. Give someone a hug before you leave. Be blessed. Hey, we have this Israel stuff up here too. Don't forget.